Chapter thirty eight of Half a Century by Jane Grey Swiss Helm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Border Ruffianism. In Lowry's first ebullition of wrath, he vowed vengeance, but an intimate friend of his, who had been a Democrat in Pittsburgh, begged him to do nothing and said, Let her alone for God's sakes let her alone or she will kill you i know her and you do not she has killed every man she ever touched let her alone but lowry knew it was too late for letting alone and sent me a verbal message by one he knew i would believe that i must stop or the consequences would be fatal stopping was no part of my plan and so i told his messenger the second number of buchanan's organ explained how it was that i became a supporter of a policy i had so long opposed general lowry owned northern minnesota land and inhabitants bought folks up as fast as they came to it and had bought me he was going to support the visitor in great power and glory if it gave satisfaction as a democratic organ i would work hard for the money and it would be odd if any one gave mr buchanan more enthusiastic support than i indeed i was his only honest supporter all the others pretended he was going to do something quite foreign to his purpose while i was in his confidence the one sole object of his administration was the perpetuation and spread of slavery and this object the visitor would support with the best arguments in its power this was vitriol dressing on a raw wound and the suppression of the visitor was expected by judge lynch brave men held their breath to see me beard the lion in his den not knowing my armour as i did then came an announcement with a great flourish of trumpets of a lecture on women by the honourable shepley the great legal light and democratic orator of minnesota the lecture was delivered in due time to a densely packed house and was as insulting as possible the lecture divided women into four classes coquettes flirts totally depraved and strong-minded he painted each class and found some redeeming trait in all save the last the speaker might as well have named me as the object of his attack and his charges thus publicly made were not to be misunderstood at every point there were rounds and shouts of applause by the clackers and brother harry once rose in a towering rage but i dragged him down and begged him to keep quiet in my review of the lecture i praised it commending its eloquence and points but suggested that the learned gentleman had not included all women in his classification for instance he had left out the frontier bell who sat up all night playing cards with gentlemen could beat any man at a game of poker and laugh loud enough to be heard above the roaring of a river in this i struck at gambling as a social amusement which was then rapidly coming into fashion in our little city and which to me was new and alarming mr shepley pretended to think that the picture resembled his wife and this idea was seized upon as drowning men catch at straws behind this they sought to conceal the whole significance of the quarrel general lowry cared not for my attacks on himself oh no indeed he was suddenly seized by a fit of chivalry and would defend to the death a lady whom he had never seen an effort was made to dispose of me by mob as a means of clearing the moral atmosphere of the city 
it was being discussed in a grocery while tom alden lay on the counter he rose brought down his big fist and with a preface of oaths said now boys i tell you what it is we're democrats this is a fight between her and lowry and we're going to see fair play if she licks him let him take it no woman is going to be mobbed in this city so there general lowry had an uncle who lived with him a very eccentric single-minded man who was greatly distressed about the affair and who became a messenger bent on making peace he begged me to desist for lowry's sake that i might not drive him to cover himself with shame and bring lasting regret he insisted that i knew nothing of the dangers which environed me i would be secretly murdered with personal indignities would be tied to a log and set afloat on the mississippi i had no wish to court danger shrank from the thought of brute force but if i let this man escape his power now tottering would be re-established slavery triumphant in the great northwest minnesota confirmed a democratic stronghold sending delegates of doe-faces to congress to aid in the great conspiracy against the nation's life so i told the messenger that i would continue to support buchanan's administration that i would pile my support upon it until it broke down under the weight and sunk into everlasting infamy the night after i had sent this as my final answer to the offer of leniency the visitor was visited by three men in the wee small hours in nent de toile the press broken some of the type thrown into the river some scattered on the road and this note left on the table if you ever again attempt to publish a paper in st cloud you yourself will be as summarily dealt with as your office has been vigilance the morning brought intense excitement and the hush of a great fear men walked down to the bank of the great mississippi looked at the little wrecked office standing amid the old primeval forest as if it were a great battleground and the poor little type were the bodies of the valiant dead they only spoke in whispers and stood as if in expectation of some great event until judge gregory arrived and said calmly gentlemen this is an outrage which must be resented the freedom of the press must be established if we don't want our town to become the centre of a gang of rowdies who will drive all decent people away and cut off immigration i move that we call a public meeting at the stearns house this evening to express the sentiments of the people at st cloud this motion was carried unanimously but very quietly and i said gentlemen i will attend that meeting and give a history of this affair End of chapter thirty eight